Welcome to The Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. Each week, we investigate themes of leadership, entrepreneurship, and mindset with some of the greatest minds in real estate. And now, the data scientist of real estate, George Roberts. Welcome back, entrepreneurs. Today's guest is someone who's making waves not only in commercial real estate, but also as a philanthropist. I know that making a genuine positive difference in the world is one of the topics that interests our distinguished audience. And that's why I'm excited today to have as our guest, John Kasman, founder of Kasman Capital and co-founder of the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit. Welcome to the show, John. George, thank you for having me. Excited to be here today, man, and uh, excited to talk to you. All right, awesome. Well, I know that uh, with all the rate increases and all the turmoil, particularly in commercial real estate, one of the first things I'd like to ask you is how you're navigating this new economic environment. What are you doing differently? What's your economic and multifamily outlook for 2024? Well, it's a great question. So uh, I will start by saying by no means do I try to pretend to be an economist or, you know, what's going to happen in the future. With that said, it's really important to at least listen to the experts, at least take in that information and understand what you need to do to prepare yourself to have flexibility. So that's the biggest thing I can tell your listeners is you want to be in a position where you have options and you have flexibility, whether that is with your current projects, your loans, uh, or anything new that you're exploring. So for us, we're taking a look at our portfolio and we're identifying where we might have any exposure and where we may need to create some flexibility or you know any options so that we have the opportunity to adjust no matter what ends up happening with the market. If rates continue to increase, how do we respond? If rates tend to come back down, how do we respond? So we're trying to just make sure we understand understand what those options are, getting in front of those options, and then monitoring the market so that we can react accordingly. Sounds good. So we're talking about, in specific terms, things like maybe uh, rate locks or having enough working capital, et cetera. What sort of specific things are you doing? I'll give you a good, a good example. So we've got one asset that uh, the loan's coming due next year uh, towards the summer. And right now we're going through the process of getting a refinance uh, on the books. And for us, as we take a look at the outlook, we think that makes the most sense. For that project, we've got a ton of equity. We have more upside that we can we can drive into that project. So we want to stabilize kind of our operations now, stabilize those expenses and the knowns so that we can continue to implement that business plan. And then, you know, two, three, maybe four years from now, that's when we will look to maybe exit that project. On another asset that we have fixed financing on, you know, one may think that, oh, well, it's fixed. You don't have to do anything. Well, you still want to understand what the options are. Do we have a chance to add a supplemental? What would the buyer's market look like if we were to put on the market? What would need to be true with interest rates for someone to be able to pay kind of our price tag that we're looking to get on the exit? So we're still monitoring all of those things. We may end up not doing anything. But we want to know what the options are so we can time, not necessarily time the market, but we want to understand when we can maximize returns for our partners. I love it. Well, I love everything about your answer, starting with the humility of not being an economist. If only we could all know more about economics and really the time flexibility. I think that's huge. I mean, that's hitting a lot of people right now. We have a softened market and a lot of people, I think, are waiting for it to firm up. And it's for all the people who did the right things. Like you mentioned that one asset having 
fixed debt on it makes that a whole lot easier. Yeah, you're, you're spot on, right? The flexibility is, I think, key. And that's true for any investments. But, you know, I think sometimes when times are good, it's exciting. And sometimes we maybe throw some of those things to the wind. And, and it's important just to understand that those fundamentals are, are there for a reason. So, you know, if you get into a deal and you only have one year financing, two years financing, well, mm -hmm. the reality is no matter how great you do, you still have to do something in two years. And I think that's where it gets a little little dangerous or at least a little risky because you have to do something and you don't know what the market's going to be. So the more flexibility you have and the more options you have, the more control you have over the results. Yeah, very good. And then I know another thing that concerns a lot of people is scaling your business. A lot of people have gotten to this, uh, I'm sorry, a lot of people have gotten to this business in the last few years and- you know, some of them may be uh, wanting to scale now. I mean, those that that haven't gotten into trouble with rates, et cetera. This is something where I think you have a significant advantage over other people. You were a business leader for many years before you became an entrepreneur. What are some of the suggestions that you would make to somebody who maybe they're at the point where they can execute on the real estate end, but really don't know how to, you know, two, five, or ten x their operations? Yeah, listen, I think it's a great time to be scaling. And I know that may be counterintuitive and some of my peers may think the complete opposite. But the reality is it's really hard to compete with very established companies. So if you're going out there and there are 15, 20 groups bidding on the same properties, it's tough to go out there and, and you know, have a business plan that's conservative and go out there and win a project. So for those folks who haven't waited or are looking to scale, now's a good time because some of these other groups are going to continue to wait. They're going to wait until maybe 2025 and then look to kind of grow and scale their portfolio at that time. There are many groups who are simply focused on operations right now, just focused on operating their existing portfolio. So for an, a buyer, an investor who's looking to scale, now is a good time. You talked about kind of my background in, in business and in marketing. And that time is really important because I was at General Motors when we went through bankruptcy. And I will tell you that it was a very stressful time, but it was also a very important time. We had to scale back to scale up. So we went from having eight brands down to four brands, but now we could fully invest in those brands to scale. I was on the Buick team and we actually made Buick the fastest growing brand in America during the time that I was leading it. And while I'd love to take, you know, all the, the accolades for that, the reality is we had a great team and we did spend our time doing the hard work, right? We did the deep work. We sat down, we understood where we had strengths, where we had weaknesses and how do we maximize those strengths and not necessarily limit the weaknesses, but pivot those weaknesses to the point where they could actually be an advantage for us. And I think it's a similar thing here is that Take a look at yourself. Where do you have strengths? Where do you have some exposure, some limitations? And how do you pivot those limitations so that they can actually work in your advantage? For those smaller groups and smaller operators, we may not have the same overhead that some of the bigger groups have. You may be able to move quicker than some of those groups may have. And you may be able to accept a little less in returns right now with the expectation that if you have flexibility in the future, you can always either refinance or you can sell or you can just hold on to a project. So if you have that flexibility, that's going to be a key advantage for you moving forward. Yeah, and I love your contrarian approach because I couldn't agree with you more that some of the biggest businesses are launched during a recession. And when you look at who's really grabbing the market share, generally it's when times get a little tougher. I just pulled out a really 
not a comprehensive list, but a, a, a big list of companies started during recessions. Glad you mentioned General Motors. That was number two on the list. General Electric launched 1892, General Motors, uh, 1908, right after the 1907 panic. IBM, Disney, HP, Hyatt, Trader Joe's, FedEx, Microsoft. So uh, anyway, again, came from the most reliable source in the world, the internet. I can't vouch for all that. But the idea, though, is that, and you can go and find similar lists anywhere. The point is that absolutely, I mean, if you really want to get ahead of your competition, and Warren Buffett's done it all along, he's not somebody who has ridden the wave more successfully than others. What he's done is that when the tide goes out, he has been much more successful in protecting capital. So I think I think you're just right on the money right there. And uh, the people who make the sound decisions right now going to be five steps ahead. And George, I think the thing that stands out when you mentioned that group of companies, but also just why there's opportunity is, you know, there are new problems that people haven't solved for yet. So if you think about this current environment, this is going to be the first time since really what, 2009, my time at GM, where you have kind of this downturn of the economic cycle, but the first time where you have so many different groups due to the Jobs Act where now you have these various groups who've done syndications and all these other people come together and raise money through crowdfunding and all this other stuff. Well, now this is the first time that they're going to go through that in this world. So there are new problems to be solved that were not there during the last economic downturn. So there may be different ways to find opportunities. We know um, there's this thing called rescue capital that's becoming big where groups are pulling money together to go out there and fund deals that are underperforming and essentially coming in and saying, hey, we'll, we'll give you some money you need to stay afloat, but in turn, right. mezzanine we want a debt. slice of equity. It's Generally. new mezzanine debt, right? So there are new ways of coming in and looking at this problem where you can thrive and maybe create a new company or just a new approach that maybe yeah. wouldn't have worked uh, in the last couple of years. So those folks who can be creative and go out there and find new ways to solve existing problems, they can have a chance to be really successful. Yeah, and I love that because I think there are many other ways too, like gap funding is something I hear a lot more about now. With capital markets more difficult than ever, people who know how to get out there and make the right gap loans, and that's definitely not an easy thing to do, definitely not something for beginners to, to attempt, but I, I think that, yes, definitely going to be a lot of opportunities. So I hope uh, people are taking note out there. I think this is some some real gold here. Well, how about that? With with that, let's sort of pivot to the, the marketing angle. I mean, of course, yes, that's how you came up in the world. And you've done a great job with your Multifamily Insights podcast. I see that it's currently listed at number 19 in the apartment investing list on Feedspot. So congratulations for that. Thank you. Thank you. 19. We got to get it up there. We got to get in the top 10. In. <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. Well, like I, we're, we're chasing. I think we're we're up to 21 right now. Uh, last right. time I checked the foundry. All but right. uh, I would say uh, perhaps equal or a greater importance, you've reached over 540 episodes. Now, that really speaks to consistency. What, what do you have to say on the topic of consistency? I think that's critical, right? Um, one of the traits that I I've been able to possess is consistency um, and, and resiliency. It's very easy to look at something, decide you're not getting res the results you wanted mm -hmm. and to stop. And most people who do podcasts, they do that. And quite frankly, most of them don't really have a strategy. 
They just say, oh, you know what? Hey, I want to do this thing. I'm going to launch a podcast. Or I'm going to do this. And maybe they start to you know, find investors or maybe they start because they want to have this huge real estate podcast. And if they're not getting the downloads or they're not getting the accolades or whatever it is, it's very easy to just stop and say, this isn't working. And even if you recognize that, hey, I know it works, but it's not working for me. Let me try something else. I think there's there's still value and power in that. But to continue to stay a path um, mm -hmm. takes resiliency, takes patience, and a lot of folks simply don't have that. So for us, I think that is something that I've been able to do. Uh, we've released at least one episode every week for the last five plus years, I think almost six years now, um, you know, maybe even six and a half years. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, a testament to consistency. And for the last almost four years, we've done two episodes a week. So for us, it's really important to have that consistency to record these episodes, have great conversations and share that information with all of our listeners. Well, yeah, I love that. And for all you podcasters out there, would-be podcasters, so that's that's just how you do it. That's how you beat the pod fade. You just stay out there, be consistent, appreciate the quality of the conversations. I know that's one of the things that I appreciate the most about this. I learned so much about all of my guests in the 30 to 60 minutes we spend. And yeah, you you, you just have to do it. I mean, there's no other way to to climb the greasy pole. Well, George, I think the key is understanding what you're trying to get out of it. Again, if you are looking at vanity metrics and you want to hit a certain number of downloads or right. whatever it is, then yes, it may be really troubling because you don't really have any depth to your why. You're recording a podcast just to hit 100,000 or 10,000 or a million downloads so you can tell people you did it or so you can monetize it. Then yes, it's going to be really difficult if you're not getting those results. I think for me and what I would push most people to do is find something deeper that allows you to see success. So one of my friends and mentors, um, the way he frames it up is having a 50-50 goal where 50% of the success comes from achieving that goal. The other 50% is in the pursuit. And just like you and I are talking now, part of the goal with having a podcast is the opportunity to have great conversations with people who can help enlighten you and help you grow yourself. Yes, it's great to share that with an audience, but if you're getting, you know, satisfaction, information, knowledge from these conversations, then that in and of itself is valuable. Now, if you happen to get 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 downloads on top of that, that's great. But if you can walk away from a conversation feeling enlightened and feeling inspired, then that's going to be very helpful for your growth. And that's what happened to me early on is like, you know, I think my first, I don't know, maybe 30 episodes, I just felt like I was getting so much value from those conversations. You know, my my first guest, literally my first guest was the embodiment of what my vision was for the show at that time. Uh, it was originally called Target Market Insights, and I wanted to yeah. talk to people to learn how to find the best places to invest. And for me, I was in Chicago and I was looking to invest in other markets because Chicago simply wasn't working for me anymore. And I wanted specifically to find Cincinnati, but I felt this conflict where I would talk to people and I would ask, well, where in Cincinnati? I would get all over the map. You know, people would tell you this part of the city, this part, that part. And what I realized is that they didn't understand my criteria because I didn't know my criteria. So when I was asking people, I was just getting it based off of their perception. And it wasn't until I did that first episode. And without a deal, I talked to this broker. And without a deal, 
there was no reason for him to try to influence me and push me into one part of the city. So instead, I just asked him flat out, hey, which, what part of the city is the hottest right now? If you were investing or you were looking to buy a property, where would you buy? And he broke it down and explained exactly where he would buy. And that was so powerful for me. And I was shocked that people would actually tell me this kind of information. Um, I, I had another episode, episode two, it was a guy I did a partnering with and same kind of thing. Episode seven and eight, you know, two other partners. One was a mentor of mine, episode eight with Joe Fairless. And he kind of walked me through his investing philosophy. And it was just like, and again, it's, these are people I, I knew, but the podcast gave me a, a chance and an avenue to ask questions in a, a more in-depth, more intelligent, and also a very um, direct way that would have been challenging for me to have these conversations without that platform. And they were very open and sharing it with me. And I mean, not just those guys, but folks who had $100 million portfolios, billion-dollar portfolios. And when you're interviewing that many people, the success in their their journey becomes really clear, right? Success, success leaves clues is what people say as a quote. So if you interview 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 people, you can start to string together like some of those key things that are like, you know what, if I want to do this, I'm going to have to do that. And you get to 500 and it's like, okay, I've built some amazing relationships with people over the years. And it's very helpful if you really want to grow a company to have those relationships. Yeah, that's huge. And uh, let's talk about the quality of your conversations. So uh, I don't know if you remember episode 360, but that's when I came on. I only had one deal at the time, but you brought out a, a very great story. So that's huge as a host. So definitely, uh, this is, you can definitely consider that an endorsement of your podcast. One other thing you mentioned, uh, the, the original title of your show. I know currently it's Multifamily Insights. I think you started out as uh marketing insight something something along those lines so yeah. you to, to get to where you are you had to reinvent yourself your podcast and the focus of the show multiple times so talk to us about that what, talk to us about the importance of reinventing yourself how do you do that and how do you stay fresh and relevant I love it that's a phenomenal question so for me there were a couple things right so one is am I getting what I want to get out of this show? I think that's a really important question. You know, if you're not passionate about something, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, again, most people just go to quitting. I think the other thing is take a look at it and ask yourself, well, what am I not getting? What am I missing? And how do I adjust that? So that was one part. So that was me looking inward. Looking outward, it was, what is my audience getting? You know, are they getting what they want to get out of the show? And as I thought about those things, the episodes that really started to excite me, we've gone through two rebrandings. So the first time, um, it was because the episodes that really excited me were the things that were helping me grow my business. And those are more of the marketing type conversations. Uh, I remember one in particular episode 141 with John D. Saunders. Um, I brought on John. He was a guy I followed on Instagram or Twitter. And um, I got him on and we had a phenomenal conversation. I mean, I'm taking notes during the chat and I'm like implementing this stuff. And uh, it was great. You know, I had another conversation with uh, some Instagram folks and some other folks. And like those conversations really got me going. You don't know why it's 121. And um, I remember for me, those those conversations were helpful for me to just think about how to grow my business. And, and the first time I had a conversation like that, that wasn't about, you know, multifamily investing or market research specifically was episode 21 of my show. And uh, I remember the the woman I interviewed, 
um, off the record, she said, hey, just so you know, you should change the way you're titling your shows. And I was like, huh? And she was like, yeah, see, right now you're putting the episode at the very beginning. You should mm -hmm. put it at the end because from an mm -hmm. SEO standpoint, you're hurting yourself. Those first few words are very valuable. And as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, that little nugget of feedback was so powerful in helping us grow the show. And I realized that those were the kind of conversations I wanted to have more of, as opposed to, you know, just talking about cap rates and markets and things like that. So it was a matter of like, how do I fuse these two together? Because, as you know, in the syndication business, it's part multifamily investing, being an operator and understanding all the things there. But it's also part marketing and market research and investor relations and communications. So pulling all that together was the first iteration. And then the third was really more of a step back to be more encompassing multifamily insights. That's really what the show is about. It's everything from, you know, how to find deals to um, how to analyze opportunities, which is a little harder to talk about on a podcast, but analyzing deals, uh, a lot about investor relations, growing your investor database, but really running a business. You know, we are all at the end of the day running a business and we want to talk to folks who can help us thrive in this business and this field that is multifamily apartment investing. Yeah, great stuff. And one of the things that strikes me about your answer, I mean, you you really reinvented yourself multiple times. And when people start something out and they compare themselves to someone else who's already successful, I mean, this first iteration of your future success, you have no idea, you know, how many stumbles somebody else has had, um, how many times somebody's mentored them along the way, how many times they've relaunched. Wow. I, I mean, I think that's really really inspiring. And I, I think there's there's a lot there for people who are willing to go out there and do the work to pivot a couple of times and find the success they truly deserve. Yeah, George, I think it's important. It's also important to have the right mentors in your place, you know, because, um, you know, without having people who can guide you all the way, you, you could go years and years and, and waste a lot of time. So for me, every time I've done a rebranding, um, it's been after a consultation, right? So, I mean, I, I may have a thought in my head, but then I got to go sit down and talk to other experts in the field, people I respect who are podcasters who have, you know, way more downloads than me and have more experience mm -hmm. in the space and say, hey, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? And they they give me their consult and, and you know, I take most of what they say because they know more, but, you know, there are things where I say, eh, I feel like I want to go this way, right? So I, I think it is important to understand and, and learn from folks who've been down that path before you. But to compare yourself to them um, is almost robbing you of, of the joy of the journey that you're on. You know, you can't compare yourself to other people because you don't know what their goal is. You don't know what their situation is. You don't know what their passion is. Like, it's a whole different thing. So for you, I would say learn from them. Take, you know, notes on what you see, what you like, who's successful. I like how they do this. Um, but you got to run your own race, right? You're on your own journey. Don't worry about comparing yourself to that person. You you know, you kind of mentioned like, oh, I'm 19 on the feed spot. You're 21. Like, yeah. I'm sure the people above me who I'm like, oh, we should be higher than him, right? But for me, it's really about how do I produce a show that helps people achieve and reach their investing goals that makes them want to maybe work with me in some capacity or at a minimum, they they listen to an episode and say, hey, it's a great episode. Maybe I'll share this with someone. So that's really the outcome and goal we're looking for. It's not to be number one or number two or number three on a list or to achieve a certain number of downloads. Um, I will tell you for me, 
I take great pride when people walk up to me when I'm at a you know real estate conference or an event and they say, hey, man, I'm, I'm a listener of the show. Really appreciate your content. Um, or they give me some other compliment about, you know, how the show has been able to help them. To me, that that's the most fulfilling thing that I think we could have is helping someone and being a part of their journey, especially when, you know, on this podcast, you don't get to see and talk to everyone that's listening. So it's a lot of fun when they kind of take a one way conversation and, and kind of turn it around and make it two way. All right. Outstanding. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your knowledge and experience with our audience. Thank you, George. Appreciate you having me again.